Asia Pacific currents. News and labour issues from the Asia Pacific region. We strongly condemn the, the police that arrest uh, the protesters. Saturday mornings at nine o'clock on Community Radio 3CR. All groups of the world should unite to fight this greedy capitalist. Brought to you by Australia Asia Worker Link. Good morning and welcome to Asia Pacific Currents this Saturday the 13th of February. I'm Giselle Hanna. I'm taking you through to 9.30 this morning. A big thank you to Annie for another wonderful Solidarity Breakfast show, very informative, particularly the uh, broader discussion about the US elections. Um, Coming up on today's program, firstly, Asia Pacific Currents is brought to you by Australia Asia Worker Links. If you want to get in touch with us, you can find us on the web or the w's.aawl.org.au. We're also on Facebook and Twitter, so uh, check us out on those social media platforms for more news and current affairs and labour movement issues from across the Asia Pacific region. Coming up on today's program in the second half of the show, our feature interview this morning is a conversation I recorded with Joms Salvador. She is an activist in the Filipino women's feminist organisation called Gabriella. Gabriella is affiliated with our international solidarity partners, the KMU. That is the Kilosong Mao Uno, the militant labour movement centre in the Philippines. The issue, the conversation that Joms and I had related to the murder of a transgender woman in the Philippines, her name is Jennifer Lord, she was murdered by a US Marine. Um, uh, The US Marine was on uh, recreational leave. Um, He met her. Uh, They went off into a room. He discovered she was transgender and and he murdered her. So the con- the broader conversation that we're having is the issue of the imperialist intervention, I guess, of the United States into the Philippines and the, the lack of accountability um, for US Marines and the crimes that they commit against particularly women. In 2005, another woman was murdered, Nicole. She was raped, in fact, um, by a US Marine. So the second, um, in the second part of the show, the conversation that I'll be having relates to um, the broader campaign and trying to engage the labour movement in feminist and women's issues and gender issues um, that are really affecting the lives of Filipino people. Uh, But of course, first up on the show this morning, news from around the region. And we'll start with um, an international issue uh, and a campaign that the International Transport Federation is running, and this relates to flags of convenience. The ITF has evidence of shocking safety breaches on board another flag of convenience, uh, a ship berthed alongside Pacific Aluminium's new foreign charter vessel in Newcastle. The Greek owners of the Panama flagged ship uh, called Christine B have not only been underpaying its 19 Filipino crew but putting their lives at risk making them clean the cargo hold without proper safety harness or equipment. The ITF has photos of the crew standing unsecured on planks of wood which have been haphazardly tied on by ropes to the inside of the hold many metres up in the air. The ITF National Coordinator, Dean Summer, says this highly dangerous job is done while at sea, putting the crew's lives in further jeopardy. 
They, the ITF, have secured um, $30,000 in back pay for the crew who've been on board the Christine B for 14 months. Um, this, I mean, this issue is so pertinent to um, that of the Alcoa ship um, that, uh, the, in fact, the we lost that in terms of the flag of convenience was ultimately um, erected on that ship um, and Australian labour laws no longer apply. But uh, this particular story in relation to the Pacific Aluminium's Christine B, a charter that's um, a vessel that's chartered in Newcastle, which in which Australian laws just don't apply. Moving on now, most if not all electronics companies in Australia have failed to fully investigate whether all materials used in their products were obtained using slave labour or some other form of exploitation and this uh, is all revealed in a new report commissioned and sponsored by a charity by the name of a Baptist, uh, Baptist World Aid. Their analysis shows that 56 electronic companies found... Um, uh, while 57% have traced their supply chains in the final manufacturing stage, only 11% have done so for parts manufacturing, which can include smelting and refining. So basically, um, while electronic companies are investigating um, the source of manufacturing for 57% of their uh, supply chains, only only 11% of um, parts manufacturing is investigated. None of the companies have completely traced their raw materials, which could be tin from Indonesia or cobalt from the Democratic Republic of the Congo, both of those countries linked with child labour in dangerous mines. If companies don't know or don't care, then they can't ensure that workers are not being exploited and that's a quote from uh, one of the commissioners of this report, Gershon Nilmborka. Some of the worst labour rights abuses occur all the way back at mineral extractions and we tend to find the deeper in a supply chain you go, the more out of sight the work becomes and the more vulnerable the workers are to exploitation. For its second report into the electronic industry, this particular charity group surveyed 13 more companies and graded them from A to F on the strength of their practices and policies to mitigate the risk of forced labour, child labour and exploitation. And it just goes to show that the work that um, AAWL is doing around the global picket line is so pivotal to these particular issues. Um, It's not enough just to link... um, workplaces across industry lines but we really do need to be looking at the production chain and identifying where exploitation happens to fight for and adequately defend workers rights or increase the level of rights and protections that they have. The next story is a follow-up on um, the story we've been bringing you about the strike at Pakistan International Airline. And many of you might recall that workers went on strike and during the strike, um, the Pakistani military was brought in. They fired on the strike and killed three people. So on the 2nd of February, the Pakistan Rangers, who have been given unbridled power by the federal government, have taken into custody four trade union leaders. These leaders were picked up from different locations in Karachi. Since then, their whereabouts are unknown. The Sindh police deny having the men in their custody. The Rangers are yet to deny the same. 
protesting Pakistan International Airline employees fear that the disappeared men will undergo custodial torture and that they'll be forced to accept responsibility for the killing of the three PIA officers during the protest. As their arrests have not been recorded, the PIA employees fear that if the trade union leaders refuse to confess, they'll be extrajudicially killed in a fake encounter and that rangers will also falsely claim to have recovered arms and ammunition following the extrajudicial murder. Since January, PIA employees have been protesting against the privatisation of, of the national carrier. From February 1, flight operations of PIA have stopped. The government has threatened that the employment of the 15,000 striking workers will be terminated and, and that they'll be treated severely. So obviously the concerns of the workers at PIA are rooted in their knowledge and experience with the um, Pakistani government when they take industrial action. (coughs) The government, um, and as we've been receiving reports from the ground um, in Pakistan about what's happening at that protest. And we know that it is the government that um, opened fire on that protest. But now we've got four leaders who have been kidnapped in a, um, well, the fear is that they'll be forced to confess um, to those murders. Moving now to Cambodia. 11 members of the IUF-affiliated Cambodian Food and Service Workers Federation, employed by transnational brewery giant Carlsberg, um, their Carlsberg's joint venture called Cambrew, those 11 workers have been dismissed in retaliation for taking strike action on the 16th of January. Workers are fighting the company's attempt to impose short-term employment contracts and late working hours. The beer promotion women are employed by Cambrew to market and serve Angkor beer at restaurants, where they compete with promoters from other breweries working in the same restaurants. After two years on the job, workers have a legal right to a permanent contract, which gives paid maternity leave and other benefits. Carlsberg, Cambrew, refused to comply with this law. The company has refused the union's request for talks on the contracts and escalated the conflict on the 15th of January by extending working hours to 11 o'clock at night, which puts the women at greater risk of harassment from customers and transport difficulties at late hours. Determined to win their rights, the women struck on January 16. Management responded by claiming that current contracts had expired and that the striking workers had to accept new short-term contracts. The Labor Arbitration Council instructed workers to resume work while awaiting the outcome of a dispute resolution process. However, workers returned to work on the 21st of January to learn that 11 prominent union members have been dismissed. There is an international campaign to defend these workers and, of course, the IUF, the International Union of Food Workers, is um, coordinating that campaign to fight for the reinstatement of these workers and, of course, the demands of the underlying dispute, which is that those workers become permanent so that they can access the benefits that go with that, like maternity leave. In China now, nurses in at least eight hospitals have gone out on strike in the last six months over low pay and benefits and demands for equal pay for equal work. Most recently, several dozen nurses in Chongqing walked off the job on the 19th of January demanding pay increases. 
This followed a strike involving more than 100 nurses in Hubei and Hui on the 8th of January, demanding a pay increase in equal employment status. The central province of Anhui has been the epicentre of the nurses' strike action in China, with at least three protests in the last six months, including a high-profile protest at the Fuyang People's Hospital uh, in August 2015, which focused on reduced bonuses and demands for better working conditions and equal pay for equal work. A key issue in the Fuyang strike and for nurses in nearly all of China's public hospitals is the often very wide gap in paying conditions between formal staff and contract workers. As an article uh, said, and this article was published on cnhealthcare.com in September, uh, they noted that hospital managers resort to no end of dirty tricks, resort to a bunch of dirty tricks to prevent nurses and other healthcare workers from gaining formal employment status, and something which should entitle them to the same benefits as civil as civil servants. The low pay and unfair work practices at China's public hospitals means that administrators can often rely on nursing staff quitting before they can obtain formal employment status and then replacing them with young, inexperienced staff on short-term contracts, a device the article referred to as the hospital's population dividend. What's interesting about this particular story, and as Pierre and I often remark when we're doing the news from around the region, is that um, it is very clear that workers in China are increasing their level of industrial action, which is a significant development in that country's political history. So our solidarity with those nurses in China around that particular dispute. That brings us to the end of the news from around the region. It's 14 minutes past nine o'clock here on Community Radio 3CR. I'm going to go to some community announcements and then that feature story with John Salvador from Gabriella. Do you have a community event or campaign you'd like to announce on radio? Maybe your group would like to take a tour of 3CR and find out how community radio works. Are you in a band and would like to record a demo? Or maybe there are people in your workplace or activist organisation who would like to undergo media skills training. 3CR is a resource for the community and offers community announcements, station tours, studio hire and media skills workshops at affordable prices. For more information, contact 3CR on 9419 or go to our website, www.3cr.org.au. You're listening to 3CR. This is Billy X. Jennings of the Black Panther Party. Power to the people. In November 2014, uh, Jennifer Lord was murdered by a U.S. Marine in the Philippines. To date, um, that particular Marine, um, Mr Pemberton, has not been brought to justice and the legal framework surrounding that is really complicated in relation to the visiting um, servicemen's agreement, uh, a piece of um, international law that was negotiated between the Philippines government and the US. It is an agreement that exists in Australia as well in relation to US bases here. Uh, But, of course, there was another uh, rape in the Philippines by U.S. Marines again around this U.S. base, and that was a rape of 
a woman who goes by the name of Nicole um, and she was raped in 2005. Again, the officer, Mr Smith, was also not brought to justice. This particular um, story relates to the presence of US military men in the Philippines and the lack of rights as a result afforded to Filipino people. John Salvador is an activist in Gabriela in the Philippines and I had an opportunity to talk to her about this issue and she starts by looking at the political um, framework and the history of US bases in the Philippines. The Philippines has been one of the um, biggest um, offshore American site of uh, one of the biggest military bases outside of mainland U.S. And um, this has been due to a long-standing political um, relations between the Philippines and the U.S., which is um, legally guaranteed by military agreement between the two countries. Um, There is, for example, a 1951 military um, defense treaty between the Philippines and the U.S., which which has paved the way for several forms of, quote-unquote, cooperation between the Philippines and the U.S., which for the past uh, decades has taken the form of the U.S. maintaining um, either permanent military bases in the Philippines, as was the case with um, the military bases agreement, the former military bases agreement, or uh, permanent, regular um, military exercises and uh, rotating, rotational presence of U.S. um, soldiers in the Philippines. So now... What is what is in operation is actually the Philippine-U.S. Uh, Visiting Forces Agreement, which allows the U.S. conduct military exercises in just about every port, military base, every everywhere, anywhere in the Philippines. There is also over the over the past couple of years, there has also been an increase in. Uh, the frequency of military bases of, of military um, exercises between the two countries or the US soldiers conducting military exercises in the Philippines because we you know there there really is no um, parallel exercises done by Philippine troops in the US anyway so it's more of um, an increased uh, presence of US uh, military in the Philippines, as well as their stockpiling of war materials in the in the Philippines, um, as part of the U.S. strategic uh, pivot to Asia, a new treaty um, recently signed uh, by by the Philippines and the U.S. the Enhanced Defense Cooperation Agreement, which seeks to revive the bases in the Philippines. So um, that has been the, the context, the political and military context to the increased presence of soldiers in the Philippines and um, corollary to that, the, the acts of violence and abuse committed by U.S. Um, soldiers against the uh, Filipino people.
none of these um, US military men have been convicted of any of these violent offences. Can you explain what the legal context is around that and how they can continue to evade justice? For example, which country has jurisdiction over them? Is it the Philippines or the US? The Visiting Forces Agreement, the US-Philippines Visiting Forces Agreement, is actually the legal framework for... um, the conduct of U.S. Um, soldiers in the Philippines and also how um, how they would be treated, airing, um, airing U.S. soldiers would be treated under Philippine laws. Um, visiting Forces Agreement is actually the major stumbling block to achieving justice for Filipinos who are um, the victims of abuse and violence by U.S. soldiers, as was as happened in the case of Nicole, and also now with Jennifer, Jennifer's um, case. Um, according to the Visiting Forces Agreement, the Philippines has um, the primary jurisdiction over a case against um, a U.S. soldier, but when the American soldier gets sentenced, the custody um, can reside on the U.S. So the U.S. cannot be forced to surrender their U.S. soldier to Philippine authorities unless they voluntarily, the U.S. government voluntarily agrees to. So in that, the question or the issue of the Philippines maintaining jurisdiction over criminal offenses and over cases by U.S. soldiers is not really is not entirely correct because how could you exercise jurisdiction when you don't have custody over the accused? So, in the case against Pemberton, for example, although a file a case of murder was filed against him in the Philippine court, the Philippines never took custody of, of Pemberton because the U.S. just wouldn't him to Philippine authorities, and um, even if the case against him was. Uh, was a heinous crime. And under Philippine laws, that offense, murder is a capital offense, rape in the case of Nicole's capital offense, still the Philippines couldn't exercise full jurisdiction over the case. And so now, for example, in Pemberton's, at the aftermath of the Longapur Regional Trial Courts uh, over Pemberton, the Philippines still couldn't um, impress on Pemberton in in our jail. He's still under custody of the U.S. in a special facility inside um, um, the headquarters of the Armed Forces of the Philippines, where only U.S. soldiers could um, readily, um, easily enter. So it's really an issue of um, not being able to exercise uh, Philippine jurisdiction because of the visit of the provisions of the visiting forces agreement but beyond that also lies a very glaring um, example of providing special treatment to American soldiers at the expense of the rights of, of Filipinos who are victimized by, by a soldier when for example Nicole's rape happened in 2005 and now again um, Jennifer's murder the question of the visiting you know the visiting forces agreement and how skewed it is 
in favor of of, of American soldiers has come to light, and um, this is also why a growing sector of, of Philippine society has called for the abrogation of the Visiting Forces Agreement because it has been proven to provide um, special treatment for American soldiers and has also proven to provide the legal basis for for American soldiers to commit crimes in the Philippines not, not be held completely liable under Philippine laws. Now, you've been campaigning for justice for Jennifer Lord for over a year, and before her, you've been campaigning for justice for Nicole. What kind of actions has the campaign involved? In cases like this, we have... Um, Realize we have learned that as much as it is a legal campaign, that the political campaign is also very necessary to raise the public's attention to the fact that there's much at stake politically between the U.S. and the Philippines on this issue, and that there are decisions that will would have to be done um, beyond the context of um, what the law uh, prescribes. Example, there has been, the court has already spoken about where Jennifer, uh, where Pemberton should have been jailed, but um, there was a political agreement between the U.S. and the Philippine governments um, practically um, disregarding the courts or the legal aspect of the case. So we have been doing, um, while we have been um, Watching over the developments of the legal case, uh, we have also been conducting um, public information campaign on the issue of not only of the issues related to Jennifer's murder, that that um, issues of transgender violence, issues of discrimination against. Um, communities in the Philippines, but also issues of um, how uh, the Visiting Forces Agreement and other lopsided agreements between the U.S. and the Philippines has made the battle for justice an uphill, an uphill one. It was also, it is also an opportune time to discuss the political context of the relations between the U.S. and the Philippines and why even for why in the past century, the Philippines has provided a physical base for U.S. expansionist strategies and um, plans in Asia Pacific at the expense of the Philippines exercising um, our sovereignty on matters that um, specifically um, affect um, the Filipino people such as when there are um, cases or crimes committed against uh, Filipinos um, by U.S. Um, soldiers. So while uh, we were closely monitoring the developments of the case, um, doing um, court actions when um, there are, when there were, you know, it's important in, during the, the most important um um, stages of the of the case. We also were doing a lot of um, uh, information dissemination campaigns, public forums, 
um, raising issues um, to the public and generating also mass support for the the fight for justice, not only in the Philippines, but also outside of the country, trying to mobilize um, international network and international network of support for Jennifer's fight for and um, against the uh, visiting forces agreement and other um, other maneuvers that the U.S. has been had been doing in relation to the case of Jennifer. That was John's Salvador from Gabriela in the Philippines um, speaking about U.S. military bases and the impunity with which those officers uh, have been allowed to behave, particularly in relation to Filipino women. It's not a traditional story that we normally run on Asia-Pacific currents, but I thought it was an important one nonetheless. Um, But that does bring us to the end of the program. Thanks for tuning in. Asia Pacific Currents will be back next Saturday from 9 o'clock with more news and current affairs from the Asia Pacific region. Um, Coming up next is Palestine Remembered. You've been listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.